Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Brings on that, but just uh, Matthew 13, verse 45. Well known parable. Uh, I look at it from a, from a different particular aspect this morning. But again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and, and he bought it. If you're here this morning, and in fact, if I was to put you, if I was to ask the people to put their hands up, who's got a problem? I don't think there'd be many people who keep their hands down, because reality is, life is that that we actually have a a lot of problems with. It's that life is constantly facing challenges and difficulties and obstacles and mountains, and so much of life is like that. And the, 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 prob- the issue is, is not that we won't face a problem. Not that we won't face a challenge. Not that we won't face any suffering or any difficulties. The issue is, is how we deal with it. It's how we respond to it. Is that right? That's the issue. Not that we won't have these things, but it's how we respond to it. How we deal with it. And I was just thinking that it's a simple truth that you need to get right down into the depths of your heart. And it's simply this. God is working for you. I think that's one of the things we kind of lose sight of when we face a problem, when we face a difficulty, simply remember that God is still working for you. And just that truth brings a credible sense of liberty to know God's working for you. So let me just maybe talk a little bit about pearls before we really get into what I want to talk to this morning. Revelation 21, verse 21. I kind of love this The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent grass. Revelation 21, really, is this incredible description where where, where John is seeing the very city of God descending down, coming down. He sees this city, the, the heavenly Jerusalem coming down. Have you ever really studied or thought very much about the, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of God? If you study it, the actual measurements are incredible. Do you know the new Jerusalem, the, the, the city of God, is 15,000 miles high. 15,000 miles wide. It's a cube. Can you imagine something? 15,000 miles by a cube. That's how big. Uh, the, the city, the new Jerusalem of God is. It, it's this glorious city. The Bible says there will be 12 foundation stones made up of costly stones, made up of precious stones. You'd be glad to know there'll be no electricity problems. Because the very glory of God will light up the place. That's, that's how awesome, how incredible it will be. The very glory of God will, will light up the place. It's this sense that when our, when, our, when, we, when our journey here on earth finishes, if we are born again, we've got this wonderful, wonderful 
destiny ahead, this wonderful future. This city of God, this glorious city where we'll all go to, where there'll be every tear, we're told, will be wiped away from our eyes. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more sickness. Perfect joy, perfect peace. The glory of God will be so awesome and so amazing, almost will be, on, be, be actually beyond our comprehension. In fact, the Bible says that, 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 that what God has set before us, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what God has prepared for those that love him. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am there, you be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. In other words, there is a mansion waiting for you with your name on it. Can you say Amen. This glorious, awesome place. Right in the midst, and I, I love thinking about this, so right in the midst of, of this glorious city is the very throne of God. And the throne of God, actually, the Bible says, is seated, if you like, on what the Bible describes as a crystal sea. Hundreds and hundreds of miles, probably hundreds and hundreds of miles deep, this glorious crystal sea, and the Bible describes it as this incredible transparent kind of colour with kind of fiery fire sort of coming, leaping and being within it. Isn't that awesome? It will be the gathering place for the saints. And on that crystal sea, if you like, the redeemed will worship God 24-7. Amen. Just glorifying, worshipping God. Just around the throne. An amazing destiny. Now the reason why I say all that is this. That one, all, there are twelve gates, but the twelve gates we are told are pearls. Now this again is mind-boggling. Can you imagine a pearl that's 1,200 miles high? Can you imagine that? That's a big oyster, amen? <laughs> I don't, now, I'm not even going to think about what happens to the oysters, but that's the point. There are these incredible pearly gates that are 1,200 miles, 1,500 miles high. 12 gates of solid pearls. One thing about a pearl, it's different from every other precious stone. Every other precious stone is found in the earth. But the pearl is found right there in the sea. It's formed by living material. In fact, it's formed by pain. Pearl, a pearl is a result of pain. It's a, a result of irritation that an oyster has to go through. Now, often there's an idea that sand gets into the oyster. It's not actually sand it's a certain type of bacteria that gets into the, gets into the oyster and the oyster is irritated and suffers because of this bacteria. And it embedded itself in the metal tissue of the oyster. And because it's irritated, because it begins to suffer, because it's invaded, the oyster begins to cover itself with layers of crystal calcium carbonates. 
Because what it's trying to do is trying to cut off the work of the enemy in its life. Do you know it takes two to six years for, for a pearl to be formed in an oyster? There's another statistic. There's only one in 10,000 oysters which, which will, in which you'll find a pearl. In other words, they are rare things. Here's what I'm saying. So why then, at the gates, are there pearls? Why are those gates made of pearls? I'll tell you why. Because pearls represent suffering. And the idea is, the only way you and I ever enter into this city is through the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ. He suffered and died so that we may enter this glorious and amazing city. Can you say amen? Now go, go back to Matthew 13, verse 45. That, that parable we just read there. Because this parable really, I suppose, can be looked at in two ways. The first way is the obvious way and the most known way is that Jesus is the great pearl of great price, which is so true. And, and someone sells everything they have to gain the pearl of great price, which is Jesus, which is one major interpretation of that parable. But I think there's another, if you like, another picture of this parable. I think it also represents us. That God sees us as the pearl of great price. That we are so valuable to him that he sends his son to die on a cross. It's a picture of extravagant love. I just want you to see a picture right now of Jesus just holding that one pearl in his hand, looking down in inexpressible love, saying, it was for you I paid the price. It was for you I gave it all. I think that is such a vital picture that we see ourselves there. We see ourselves as this pearl that Jesus gave all he had, suffered and died for this pearl, and were that pearl. So I think so many people struggle with a sense of unworthiness, a sense of inadequacy, rejection. I think some people really deep in the depths of their heart don't really feel God really wants them. We have to make cover it up with all kinds of spiritual jargon, but deep in the depths of our hearts, we never really see ourselves as the pearl. And Jesus takes this pearl and says to you, I love you so much. I'm willing to suffer and I'm willing to die for you. I just think it's so awesome. It's so important we see ourselves as the pearl that Jesus gave all he had for us because that shows to me it's a love that's individual. You've got to see it's a love that's individual. It's an everlasting love, Amen. It's a love that never gives up. It's a love that never fails. It's an irresistible love. The Bible says that his love is as strong as death. He sees you as the object of his love. And God loves you so much, he works on you. You know, the, you know what makes a pearl valuable? It's this roundness. The, the more round a pearl is, the more valuable it becomes. And because God looks at you and he sees you as so valuable, 
He begins to kind of smooth off the rough edges. Amen? That's how he loves you because he says, I want you to be, you are so valuable, I want to smooth you off. A pearl is also, its value is found in its, its whiteness, its purity. And the one thing God works on us, the Bible says he, he's working to create a purity of heart and, and a holiness in us. Also, the, the value of a pearl is measured by its size. And God says, you're so valuable. I'm going to work on you and, and cause you to grow, cause you mature, because I see your value. And I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I want you to come into the fullness of my purpose and my destiny for you. Because you are so, so valuable. Now, the thing that produces a pearl is suffering. The Bible says, in this world that you will have much tribulation. We often stop there, but Jesus says, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. But the reality is that we will go through all kinds of struggles, all kinds of pain, all kinds of suffering, all kinds of difficulties. But here's what God says to you today. I want to take all those things you go through and turn the pain, the suffering, the difficulties, I want to make them into pearls, amen? I want to take every problem that you face and transform it and change it into a pearl. Why don't you turn me to James 1.8 because I want to see how God takes the, the problems of life and changes them into pearls. James chapter 1, and I think there's a few steps of how God takes problems and makes them into pearls. I think for the Christian, this is why the Christian separates often and often through other, other various situations in the world because, because as Christians we can make sense of suffering as Christians we can make sense of problems because we can see that above it all there can be God can use it to fulfil a purpose for it Amen? so nothing is ever wasted in life isn't that great to know and here James gives us a few contributing lessons of how we deal with a problem Verse 2. My brethren, count it all a joy when you, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without, with no doubting, for he who does not doubt is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. But not let the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. This double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Just four things right there that show us how to turn a problem into a pill. First thing he says is count. Count it all a joy. In our, in our challenge right there, count it all a joy. How do you stir your faith? You count it all a joy. In other words, you count your blessings. 
Hey, remember that song? Count your blessings and you'll be amazed what the Lord has done. And there's something about that. Counting your blessings. Counting your blessings often is the answer to the problem. Because every one of us here this morning has got something to be thankful for. You know, you might say, well, I'm broke. You know, if, even if you are broke, you are better off than most of the world, than third of the world. Why is that so important? Because what it does do, it develops a right attitude in life. Count the blessings. Thank God for family. Thank God for various things that we so easily take for granted. Just count your blessings. Be thankful for the things that you have rather than be upset and offended by the things that you don't have. Count your blessings. Be thankful. Appreciate the things that you have. Because here's what happens. The moment that you begin to count your blessings, I'll tell you what it will do. It will cause a joy to rise up within your heart. It's amazing that when that happens, that all the, the, the negative things that you could see, suddenly your whole concept of those things begin to change. A joy begins to rise up in you as you begin to count your blessings. You begin to say, Lord, thank you, I've got food to eat. Thank you, Lord for the beauty I see around me. Thank you, Lord, for all the things I so easily take for granted. I thank you and I praise you for it. My favourite story above all, and I've probably shared this quite a few times, is George Muller. George Muller was the guy who opened all these orphanages and he opened them totally by faith. He had no, if you like, no finance, so he just opened all these orphanages. And he tells amazing stories of God's supply. He tells one story when he was going to open his first or- well, one of his first orphanages. And he needed something like, I don't know, 30, 40,000 pounds. And you talk about 18th century, it was a lot of money in those days. And, and a little girl in the playground gave him a penny. He needs thousands of pounds and this little girl gives him one penny. And he takes the penny and says, thank you God. Praise you for that penny. Because I've received the penny and the rest will come. In other words, he learned to appreciate the small things which allow God to do something awesome and something big. There's something about appreciation. I think often the danger is in our Western kind of civilization that we take so many things for granted, we lose the ability to appreciate. Is that right? And there's something about the power of appreciation. I think we should appreciate the fact we're saved above all else. We get so familiar with it, so accustomed to it, we lose the sheer awesome wonder that I'm saved. Forgiven. Going to heaven. What a, what a, and we lose the ability to appreciate that because we become so familiar with it. 
We get familiar with the Bible. We, we, we don't appreciate all the amazing promises that God gives to us because we become familiar with them. But as you begin to appreciate those things, they create a joy in you. The Bible says of Jesus, it was the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross because he saw the joy of you being here this morning. He saw the joy of you worshipping. He saw the joy of you coming into a personal relationship with Christ. And that was the joy that enabled him to endure the cross. The joy. And there's something about living a life like that. He says, Can't you all a joy when you enter into various trials? In other words, there's trials come in all different shapes and sizes. How many found that? Different shapes, different sizes, different. Some are small, some are big. Some have all kinds of pressures attached to them. There are various trials. But the word various actually means colour. And I love this picture. That when I go through a trial, when I go through a problem, if I keep my heart right and I begin to count my blessings... It's almost God begins to paint a picture on the canvas of my heart. He begins to paint something. He begins to establish something. He begins to bring something about in my life. Because he's painting a canvas of life. And part of my development in life, the part of being the person that God has called me to be, is how I respond to problems. If I learn to count my blessings in the midst of them, then God is going to paint some amazing picture in my life and on my heart. Can you say amen? Second thing is, it says in verse 3, it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Knowing. Sometimes we need to know the real reason. We need to understand, if you like, We need to to recognise how trials work. If you're going to come through it, you've got to kind of realise it and recognise it. You've got to know. You've got to sort of recognise how a trial works. Turn me to 1 Peter 1. Verse 7. He says, knowing that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, fire, might be found to the praise, honour and glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, that for gold, gold has to go through certain procedures to test its, its value to test its, its, its genuineness. Gold has to go through various procedures to, to test the strength of the gold. Job put it this way, when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. When he's tested me, I will come forth as gold. In other words, he's saying, I'm not so much focusing on what I don't have. I'm focusing on what I do have. 
See, ultimately speaking, a trial, a problem, really tests how genuine our walk with God is. It really tests the, how much we're really trusting God. It really shows really what's really going on inside us. It really tests whether that we, we are still praising. We're still counting our blessings. We're still staying strong. We are still letting God do something. He says that the trying of your faith, it works. In other words, God is working something in you in the midst of your problem. You may not be aware of it, you may not be recognising it, but God is working something in you. He may not have caused it. He may not have brought it about. It may not, it may not be... be what God has brought on you, but nevertheless, God is using it to work something awesome and something amazing in you. I look and read the stories of just amazing Christian people, Christian leaders throughout the centuries. People who have impacted and transformed our world. Every one of those Christian men and women who actually impacted our world, always went through some incredible challenges. They really did. I haven't read one that didn't go through some real hardships, some real difficulties, some real problems, heartbreaking situations. I've been reading about Mary Edward Etter. She shook nations, shook the whole of America. And the stuff that she went through kind of, you can't believe some of the stuff she went through. I mean, just absolute heartbreak after heartbreak. Unbelievable things. In her personal life, even in her ministry, people would turn up to kill her. Can you imagine? That people in the, in the cities who felt threatened by her would pay people to turn up her meetings to kill her. People would come with, with axes and, and clubs to try and beat her to death it, during the meeting. And she went through the most unbelievable things. But also she shook nations because she learned to realize that God is producing something. God will produce strength. He'll produce backbone. He'll produce fruit. How many have found that you pray more? Amen. How many have found that? Your prayer, your prayer life suddenly takes up a new, a new level. Is that right? I was studying this and it kind of blew my mind when I read about this. The Bible says when the children of Israel, they went to a place, they came to, to the waters, the waters of Myra. Remember that story? And they came to the waters and the waters were bitter. And they were so mad, they, they complained against Moses, they complained against God, they blamed him, what? that they ever left Egypt in the first place. But as you study that, you begin to see how God used that situation. It was their problem. They believed their problem was bigger than God. And that's a, almost the foundation of our struggle. Sometimes we, we somehow have a, a totally misuse, a misunderstanding of our problem. We tend to see our problem is bigger than God. 
And almost God has got to bring us back to a place where our perception changes. And we begin to recognise that God really is bigger than our problem. And this is how this blew my mind when I, when I read up on this. It's kind of mind-boggling. Commentaries say that, that in the water that, that, they, that, 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 that was there, that, this bit of water, 68% of that water was calcium magnesium. How many are ready for your lunch? It causes kind of diarrhea. That's basically what it causes. They found that when they examined Egyptian mummies, they found parasites in the Egyptian mummies. And that's why many Egyptians didn't actually live to very old age. They all died young because of these parasites that got into their intestine system. Have a good Sunday lunch, incidentally. Uh, but here's the amazing thing. That water actually cleansed them out. It cleansed out the, the parasites that could have got into their system through Egypt. It cleansed them out. And I'm thinking often, with the problems that we go through, we find things in us that we didn't even know were there. How many found that? I didn't know I had that attitude. I didn't know that thing was right inside me. I didn't know what was really in my heart. Often the problems and the difficulties bring to the surface what really lies in us and the moment they come to the surface, God can deal with them. One thing about gold. They melt gold so all the impurities come to the surface. And it's often in the pressure, in the problems, in the difficulties that we face, all the stuff that often lies undisturbed in us, suddenly begins to come to the surface. And we begin to see things in us that we never even knew was there. I didn't know I had that attitude. I didn't know I had that response inside me. And God, because there's the point, when it comes to the surface, it's then God can deal with it. The Bible says he's like a refiner's fire. The moment all that junk comes to the surface, he begins to remove it off. So what is left is pure gold. Can you say amen? The next thing, the other, this is the other thing in the water, was, cal was, was calcium nitrate. That actually stops athletes from, from dehydrating. Stops athletes from dehydrating. And I found this, listen to this, that when you face a problem, when you face a difficulty, God somehow, some way, will give you the strength to come through it. How many found that? I think of so many heartbreaking situations that I've gone through in life. And sometimes I look back and I wonder how I came through it. I look, I say, how did I come through that? How did I deal with that? And right at that point in time, God gave me the strength and the ability to come through it. When Jesus says, I'll send you another comforter, that word comforter there means to a strengthener. One that will strengthen you. Sometimes God doesn't always necessarily remove the problem. He gives you the strength to face the problem. Because there's where I love, when we're talking about fire, you know who's got control on the temperature? God. He's got the control on the thermostat. And he knows exactly the right temperature that is needed 
to bring the impurities to the surface. And he's never going to take you through something that is going to destroy you. You always have his hand on the thermostat. Just at the right temperature that you and I need. Okay, here's the next thing, very quickly. Verse 3 says, sorry, verse 4, but let. Here's an interesting thing when you face a problem. Quit facing your problem and surrender. Give the battle to the Lord. The Bible says the, the battle is not yours. The battle is what? The Lord's. Amen? Let me give you one very quickly. 2, two Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. And I'm going to kind of, so much I can say on this, but let me just quickly run through this. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I think this is a great verse, maybe some of us this morning. Verse 15, and he said, Listen, all of you, Judah, and, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. In verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah, O Jerusalem, do not fear, be dismayed. Tomorrow you will go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Amen. Now notice this phrase there, because Bob says God will fight the battle, but there's one thing you need to do, you need to position yourself for the battle. I'll fight the battle. Ask God for a word. God wants to give you a now rema word for your situation. Say, God, give me a word for that situation. Secondly, and I love this, they began to declare the greatness of God. They focused on God, not their problem. And that's the key to so much. Don't focus on your problem. Focus on the greatness of God. And they admitted their dependence on God. God, we can't face this in our own strength. We can't deal with this in our own power, and our own energy. God, we're dependent. We need you to do this. They declared their dependency on God. Then they waited on God. You know, sometimes we don't think we're doing anything unless we're worrying. Unless we're trying to reason this problem out, we don't think we're doing anything. But there's something about saying, God, I'm just waiting for you. I'm positioning myself for you to work in my situation. You say amen. Now the interesting thing was, the children of Israel were told, when they faced their problems, walk round for 40 years. Something that should have just taken a, just a few weeks, took them 40 years. They went round the same mountain. Never found that in life. As a, as a rule, I think this is a kind of spiritual rule, if you don't pass the test, sometimes you have to retake it, amen? You know what I mean by that? Somebody in your office or somebody you work with who's a complete pain, you struggle with their certain aspects about them. And you can't wait for them to leave the office. You moan about them, you complain about them, you groan about them. 
And then comes that day, they leave the office. And you're saying, wonderful, they've left. And then to your horror, the person who replaces them seems to have the same traits. How many have found that? How many have found yourself thinking, I think I've been around this mountain before somewhere. I recognise this problem. I recognise it as the same thing I went through. Maybe it's because you've got to retake the test. You've got to go over again and retake it and this time do it right. Can you say amen? Now fourthly, and I'll close with this one. It says ask. Ask for wisdom. You know, as crazy as it seems, almost the last place we go to often is God. I've tried everything else. I better pray now. And almost, as obvious it is, the most important thing you can do in a problem is come to God. Ask Him. You receive not because you ask not. Bring the situation to God. Tell Him all about it. Begin to ask God. Ask Him to give you a promise. Ask Him to give you a word. Ask Him to give you the ability and the strength. Ask ask Him to give you wisdom in this situation. It is said of Alexander the Great. He once said to his people, he says, you know what? These men had won a victory or done something really amazing in his army. He says, you know what? You can ask me anything. And so one of them says, give me a third of your kingdom. And his troops were not pleased. They're about to cut the guy's head off from saying that. But he says, don't harm him. He's honoured me because he has asked something big of me. And I think sometimes that we dishonour God when we don't ask him big things. Ask him for big things. Ask him for outlandish things, for crazy things, for amazing things. Because God responds no matter how small the problem or how big the problem is. He just says, ask. Make your priority in your problem a prayer. Make that your focus. Make that your priority. And watch God turn your problem into a pearl. Amen. So much more I could say, but let me close on this situation. You know one thing about pearls? Now, my mum left us the pearls. She had all these necklaces of pearls. One thing about pearls is this. That if they are not constantly given, you know, displayed and let the air get to them, they begin to discolour. That's what happens. If they're not presented there, they begin to discolour. And this is what I'm thinking. That what our problems produce is a test of money. See, you can't have a money until you've had a test. Is that right? Because it's a test of money. So if I'm not at a test, I don't have a money as well. So it's a, a test of money. And this is what God says, often through your problem, you have a testimony that you are meant to display and declare to others. How many have found the thing that's impacted your life probably more than anything else is when someone shared a testimony what they went through. And because you saw what they went through, it was like a pearl that was on display that gave you the strength, that gave you the encouragement to know that God can work for you. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They testified to what God did 
in their situations. I tell you, the wonderful thing to do is to testify. Every time God solves a problem, find someone that you can tell about it to. Find some way to testify to it. Find some way to declare it and share it because the pearls are on all, they're on display for all to see. Because if we don't share it, we tend to lose the working of it. It discolors it. It loses its brightness, its effectiveness. The power of a testimony can totally transform somebody else's life. Amen? The Bible says this. Don't cast your pearls before swine. God is the great pearl caster. He casts pearls before us. He's cast before us right now certain ways and, and means that we can deal with problems. We can either receive those pearls or just trample them underfoot and not respond, not receive it. And God throws out these pearls this morning. Say, Lord, I receive that pearl. I respond to it. I receive it into my heart, into my life. And I'm believing you right now that you're going to turn a problem into a pearl. Let's just come before him right now. Let the band just come back. Let's all just stand for a few moments right here and now. Maybe right now, say, Lord, let God do something awesome, something amazing. Let him take the problems, the difficulties, the the challenges that right now we have in our life. And let's allow God to change them into a pearl. Some of you may have family struggles right now. Things that seem to be outside your control and outside your power. Those are the worst kind of problems, the ones that we we can't seem to control, we can't seem to. They're outside of our ability, scope to deal with. But even though it might be be beyond our ability, beyond God's ability to solve and deal with. So right now, say, Lord, today I'm just giving these these problems, these difficulties, these heartbreaking things that I am experiencing now in my life and I'm bringing it now to you and asking you to take my problem and, and to make it something of value, something of worth. Take it and change it into a pearl right now. Just lift your heart to the Lord right now. So it would be good if you've got some issue. If you've got a problem right now, a real, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a real challenge that you're facing right now. I just want you to just kind of lift your hand to the Lord right now. In a sense, you're just giving it to him, surrendering it to him right now. And saying, Lord, the battle is not mine. The battle is yours. I'm releasing it to you. I've been trying to struggle. I've been trying to fight it. I've been trying to deal with it. But right now, Lord, I surrender it to you. The battle is not mine, but the battle is yours. And I'm positioning myself for you to to turn that problem into a pearl. Father, right now, we give these problems to you. We give these difficulties, these these unresolved situations, Lord, that are are outside of our power and our ability to deal with. And we bring every problem, every difficulty to you, God. We surrender it to you. And we declare over our problems right now, the battle is not ours, but the battle is yours. We surrender it into your hands. We surrender it into your power right now, God. Thank you that your ability 
Your power is so much greater, so much far beyond ours. And we believe you for a miracle. We believe you to turn these situations around right now, God. And we promise to give you all the praise, all the honour, all the glory. We count it all the joy. Lord, we, we give it all to you. We, we thank you. We appreciate every blessing, every good thing that you've brought into our life. We thank you and we praise you for it right now. We give you all the praise and all the honour and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.